0: Now you mentioned a couple of uh, things like Groovy, uh, Nice, uh, Artema, Fowler, Cringely. Is that how you pronounce Cringely? I'm kind of free associating here, in a, um the 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 weblogs that you read, uh, Bob Cringely. Oh, Robert Cringely.
1: Well, he's he's on PBS. He's okay. I mean he's been around for a long time. Okay. And the guy's a really good writer, and he's every once in a while he'll say something wacko like at one point. He decided, I, don't, I, I think he just has been away from programming too long and he didn't get refactoring. And he just said, refactoring, the code works. Why would you change it? That's dumb. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so sometimes he shoots from the hip a little bit like that. And I think, I think the programming community just hammered him horribly for that. So um, so he's probably a little more careful now about stuff like that. But, he, you know, I, I, I find he's useful to kind of keep track of of things that I don't necessarily pay attention to. So, um, so he's on your list of... Uh, yeah, well, I just recently added that little list of things that I read next to my articles. And, um, you know, I I don't know. I, I tend to... I guess, no, I'm not sure if I ever really jumped into things that early. You know, because sometimes, well, like, you'll often send me an email and you'll say, well, I've discovered this new thing. It's really great. I'm jumping into it and it's... You know, I, I tend to, to kind of let p- other people filter some of those things for me um, and watch carefully because you realize, oh, you've got a certain amount of time. It's it's not even just a certain amount of time. There's a certain amount of... Cycles, maybe. Um, Actual useful brain think time that you have per day. <laughs> right. You know, and it's on a good day it's probably four hours or something like that and, and of course I think it depends on the kind of the tasks you're doing but for example when I'm struggling with trying to figure out generics trying to wade through the, uh, the miasma of the different um, you know, people have written all sorts of misinformation about it there's some there's, um, you know probably actively um, misinformative um, PR that's happening etc so I have to wade through all this stuff and say you know what's really going on here and that kind of thinking. Well, I don't think I get four hours of that a day. You know, it depends. If I hit a wall early, sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm stuck. Um, it's almost like I need another sleep cycle before I can figure stuff out. But then there are other sorts of things, like, you know, for example, when I start building uh, the web, the the web sales site for the interview CD using Quixote. Well, that's probably something that is. Um, going to be, A, fun enough, and B, sort of busy enough that I can I can spend a lot more time on that, but um, I forgot how we got off on that, or well, how I, I got off on I, that. I mentioned a few things. Oh, yes, that's right. You th- you were free associating, and I was just supposed to... Um, yeah, well, um, there's programming language. I mean, you, you threw a whole bunch of things out there which were not terribly connected, so, like, you mentioned Groovy, and... NICE Nice, and Jython and D, the languages that I'm, well, Chuck Allison just gave a presentation um, at a conference at the university where he teaches, and he he talked about both C++ and what's happening now with the, the committee's meeting again, and they're doing interesting things to the language, and also the D language, which Walter Bright started creating, and uh i'm proud to say i've made some contributions to some really? of the some of the really interesting features um, have been my suggestions. I have to remember whether it was i I think I suggested design by contract or built in unit testing and i can 't remember which one, and they have quite an active community Well, Chuck just um, created a number of examples to show at this talk he was giving, and he sent me the slides. And I was looking at them, and um it's more interesting than I even thought really you know, I mean it's a really interesting it's i mean some of the languages that are coming out now are mm, what would we say I don't know, I almost want to call them third generation object oriented languages because um the first generation would have to be things like well, simula, but that was more of an experiment, I think, and small talk, which you know really was the first successful one and the small talkers are still the ones that can cut through the cruft and kind of see what's really there that's what I I keep finding um, when, when I get feedback from people the small talk people will go well couldn't you just do this and you go oh he's right you know he or she is right and um, that's I'm, I'm still finding that interesting I, I've never been able to get around the reverse syntax of small talk But it's you know it continues to be a fascinating thing, and probably my experience with Python is where I learn most of the small talkish kinds of things, and what has sort of opened up my mind from the restrictions of statically typed languages. So, um, so the so the D language is really interesting because it has looked at things like Java and C plus plus and and, and kind of said, okay, rather than, s- even though the language is, I mean, the syntax is fairly close to C++, it's pretty easy to, to understand for, for a C++ or a Java programmer. It has that attitude toward it, but it doesn't, it's not slavish to those um, those languages. It's saying, okay, we've seen, we've had a couple of experiments with C-like object-oriented languages, now let's see what Um, we can do with this you know how how can we make this a lot better and so they one of the things that they've done which is really nice is is, um, made the syntax or Walter has done and I guess his community has made the syntax really succinct and um, and so it's it's very clean it's not too clean it's not APL or anything like that but it but it's very clean and the examples that I saw that uh, Chuck um, had put together for his presentation yeah, I mean they were very impressive. The other language that um, I've just been learning about is is nice, um, and it's been created by Daniel Benoit, and he's I, I'm not sure if he's French or he's anyway he he's European. He's working on his PhD. He's almost done with it in um, in Paris, and he's been developing this language. And, you know, lots of people create languages. But this one is really interesting. I mean, for one thing, it has um, type inference, which means that you don't have to say what the type is, you, the, but, but it's still statically typed. I mean, with Python, you can just say, okay, I've got an identifier, and I'm going to give it an object, and then you can you know, change it later. And the object is where all the information is. So it won't let you send a bad message to an object. It's strongly typed. It's just not statically typed. But, um the reference can basically point to anything um, with nice um, you it's it's sort of the same way you go, okay, I'm going to create a reference. And I'm going to point it in an object." Well, at compile time, the compiler comes through and goes, "Oh, I see what kind of object it is. I'm going to statically type that reference so that you know I'm going to figure out whether you're using it correctly at compile time. So it has that appeal for Java programmers, but the language is much more powerful it has um, things like multi methods, and it has, um, boy, I, I can't, um, I can't actually list all of the things that it has. But, um, but it's anyway, it's it's quite fascinating. But what's really interesting about it is that it creates, um, I mean, it, it just builds JVM modules. I mean, big. So from the outside, as a Java programmer, you could consume these things as libraries, and you wouldn't know that they were written in Nice. But, on the other side, you could be writing them in a much more powerful language and be more productive and that 's really i mean you know it, I know it gets distracting when i when I you know kind of go in and look at all these languages and, and sort of pick them apart and everything and people often feel like it's a personal attack and sometimes i sometimes I go overboard because i 'm annoyed with the marketing attitude of java and um so anyway, but despite that, um, what I'm really trying to do is figure out ways to be more productive, right? And um, and so that's why I look at these other languages. That I look at okay, well, you know, where are the roadblocks in one language, and how is another language um, helping solve those things and make somebody more productive? So- well, something
0: that's really interested me that you've just started doing recently, I think, is these uh, these on-site consultations. Uh, I don't know exactly what you call them, but basically you'll come in and you'll you'll do uh, a code walkthrough, a, a review mm-hmm. of an architecture, a design. I know that you've been very interested in XP, lean programming. Uh, ever since it came out. Yeah. Ever since it came out and I, I'm, you know, I can think back on projects that I've been involved with where there have been modeling approaches, there have been management approaches, there have been language choices and uh, It could have gone one way, it could have gone the other. We wound up going into production, or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it would have been great to have an impartial person who was conversant in these technologies and approaches come in in a very unassuming way, in a very uh, humble way, and and say, hey, you know, you might have thought of this. uh, So uh, how do you you approach that? Yeah, despite my... um
1: Occasional diatribes on my weblog about some of the Java designs. I don't. Yes, I mean if those people were in the room with me, I would be much better. But I think it's it's the marketing people that seem like they're in the room with me, and those are the ones that I get annoyed with. So I should someday I have to apologize for all that. But um, well, mostly I mean you know usually what we do is get together and. Um, actually, literally walk through a design, or an implementation, or an architecture, or uh, whatever it is that somebody has created at a certain point. And a lot of times, just the review of, of this will m- make a big difference because you um, you end up rethinking what it was that you've done, rather than just saying, "Well, we've already accepted that." And mostly what I look for is the places where change can be encapsulated and that's a lot of what we're trying to do with, with a design is we figure out what changes and we encapsulate it in some way or another and that's kind of um, parlance of, of design patterns um, and a lot of times we encapsulate the wrong thing because we don't necessarily think about it and so, so what I'm looking for is a lot of times, well, what is it that's really changing here, and are we are we encapsulating it in such a way that it will allow that change to happen easily you you don't necessarily know it's going to change until you get further along in the project and you start making changes, or the thing is running, and it needs to have a certain dynamic characteristic to it, or something like that so so but but the idea is that the the review process gives opportunity for um uh, well, issues to come up. I mean, sometimes people don't understand certain aspects of a technology, or the language they're using, or, um, well, for example, design patterns, or, or even whatever it is that they're applying it to. And sometimes we can have little mini um, learning sessions around that. And it's, and it, I think it, it tends to be much more immediate to the people than if I am giving a seminar and I say, okay, here's a problem that I came up with, now you solve it. Well, if it's like, okay, here's your problem that you're trying to solve right now, or you tried to solve it one way, so you, you have a pretty good understanding of it, now let's re-examine that to to make sure that that it's um, the best way for your particular system. And of course, one of the things to to be aware of is um, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, maybe Maybe a solution is just fine the way it works. I mean, that's... That's sometimes uh, something we have a hard time letting go of. But it happens. Well, it does happen. Well, I mean, that's the whole premature optimization problem. So It's like, it's like I happen to know a lot. Somebody happens to know a lot about a particular technology, and so um, it can seem roaringly uh, inefficient to them, and, well, we've got to do that. And when, of course, actually you don't know until you run the profiler and find out where the program is spending all of its time. Even, you, you don't even know if the program is too slow. So, um, so it's the same sort of thing. It's easy to focus your energies and spend your money in inappropriate places. Whereas very often one of the things that they try and do in, in XP is, um, well, do the simplest thing that can possibly work, which has a number of layers of complexity to it. But the idea sometimes is, well, let's just let's just do the simplest thing that we can get running, so that we can get the system running, and then we'll see if it's if it satisfies our needs and one of the needs might be has to run at a certain rate but you don't know until you get the thing together and then you might run the profiler and say well we threw in this library and we discovered um, you know it's badly written or it's slow or it's inappropriate somehow and, and that's where our bottleneck is so we either you know write it by hand we find an, ideally we find another library that does what we needed to do or if necessary we, we write it or parts of it by hand you know those sorts of things and that's when it it becomes a little bit more of a balancing act things where you have to kind of have to have a little bit of um, perspective